Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'm Larry Goldman, Chief Analyst at Analysis Mason. Uh, today I'm talking with Rupert Wood, uh, Research Director at Analysis Mason, about uh, energy usage and sustainability uh, and how operators are dealing with this as they continue to uh, invest in building out their networks. So uh, Rupert, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, and let's get started. Just talk about the overall situation that operators are facing now. Thanks, Larry. Um, well, <clears throat> now that the, the main rounds of uh, 5G spectrum auctions are over, operators really need to, well, they've already started, but they're needing to invest and ramp up their investment in 5G. And, um, you know, the, the, the issue here is that that will add to energy bills unless they mitigate this problem in one way or another, which we'll talk about. Uh, at the same time, there's a spiraling cost of energy brought about by global conflict, and the outlook is, is still very uncertain about where energy prices are going to go. Um, in addition to that, there are corporate long-term corporate commitments and government pressures on uh, ESG measures. Uh, there are regulatory pressures to retain older networks. Uh, and, and uh, you know, these older networks are a legacy of, of many, many different technologies. So all of that adds up to a kind of potential crisis in, uh, in, in energy consumption. Okay, thanks, Robert. So uh, we've got these many technologies, and now here comes another one. Uh, and so uh, 5G coming along, I think it's got the biggest uh, attention about uh, network investment right now. So uh, what, what should operators be considering specifically around their 5G deployments? I mean, it's worth just saying from the outset that, uh, um, you know, mobile networks consume about half or upwards of half of all energy that, uh, that operators uh, consume. And it has to be said that 5G NR is, is, is very energy efficient compared to 4G. It uses less energy per, per gigabyte transported. But that doesn't mean automatically lower energy usage because if it, because of, for two reasons, really. Because efficiency tends to create falling prices and increased demand, and this kind of negates the efficiency gains. That's the, the, the Jevons paradox, which was identified well over 100 years ago. And, and, and the second reason is that if you keep supporting older RAN technologies or older technologies in general, power consumption will only ever go up. <clears throat> and, and I think the real worry, and, and this is where, the, where things start stacking up, is that when you start adding in massive MIMO or densifying the, the number of sites in the 5G network, that could start pushing up energy consumption steeply upwards, even if technically speaking, on that efficiency measure of kilowatt hours per gigabyte, it is actually more efficient. Okay, so I think, you know, we, we just have to be thinking about it. it's a fairly big problem. There's a lot of ways of, of, of looking at this. So let's, let's push on and talk here about the main ways of mitigating uh, this difficulty of managing the, uh, the growing energy uh, demand. Well, I think, you know, there, look, there are a number of technology solutions out there. Uh, technology-driven solutions, and I think they probably they fall into th three main categories. First, there's um, the use of more energy-efficient liquid-based cooling systems in, uh, in 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 the radio access network. You know, it, it's really surprising that forwarding bits is you know it's the only activity at the cell side that actually generates revenue, and yet it actually accounts for just fifteen percent of the energy consumption, while cooling systems 
actually account for 55% of the energy consumption at those sites. So more efficient uh, cooling systems is one. The sec second sort of uh, uh, broad set of uh, technology solutions would be the use of sleep mode. And that can be assisted by, by AI. And that can better match energy consumption to real-time real patterns of, of network use. And third, although this is, won't be done for energy reasons alone, is the implementation of single RANs. And this is kind of costly in itself. And, you know, let's face it, it isn't going to be done just for, for, for energy savings. Okay, so, so we are talking about it isn't just rolling out the 5G, right? That, that there are these other trade-offs, especially because we have to focus on uh, on the cost of energy and ESG goals that may not have been as prominent as they were uh, before. So I think that just there's just a lot of factors here to consider, and you, you've thought a lot about them, Rupert. So you know, one other issue that comes up is you know we're dealing with all these things about how to save energy and so forth. Is self-powering rather than buying power from the grid? What about that? Yeah, I mean, nearly all power comes from the grid at the moment. Um, but we do see oper some operators starting to do this, albeit at quite a small scale. We've seen examples of a self-powering uh, tower, cell site. Uh, and um, I, th I think Tim has been um, starting to deploy some solar uh, solar energy at sites. So at still quite lo a small scale, quite local. Um I think practically a better solution from a cost control point of view is to invest in uh, either directly or through power purchase agreements, renewable energy generation. Uh, and that's, you know, is a, is a, is a more scalable and uh, uh, a more scalable approach to 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 um, managing down cost con uh, to energy costs in the long run. And it also has the ad additional benefit of um, uh, 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 of being uh, largely about renewable energy generation as well. Okay, thank you, Rupert. Uh, so we've been talking primarily about uh, the mobile network and the, and the, the fact that operators are, are faced with making decisions here specifically around uh, 5G rollout and, and various aspects of that. But, but what about the bigger picture? What else can operators be doing to reduce energy costs in their network? Well, if you're looking at the whole network of a state of a typical operator, then it's really FTTP, of course. Um, FTTP isn't just more efficient in terms of kilowatt hours per gigabyte. It simply uses much less power, uh, at least 80% less than current fix, probably more like 90% less per line. Um, so, it, you know, it uses less power. It isn't just more efficient. It uses less power. But, you know, as with mobile, you won't fully reap the benefits until you decommission the legacy. And decommissioning PSTN, copper broadband, surplus exchange facilities, etc., is an incredibly long drawn out process burdened by two forms of regulation as consumer protection regulation and in, in Europe in particular, competition regulation. So there are there are great benefits to be made from that. You can you can you can you can uh, free up a lot. You can, you can reduce your energy usage quite substantially by by getting rid of these legacy fixed uh, networks. But it's going to take a long time to do. Okay, so there are a number of things operators can do, um, but it, just from a practical point of view of of carrying these things out, isn't there a problem that operators 
tend to run their fixed and mobile networks pretty independently. They make, they make these decisions um, sort of independent of, of, of the other part of the organization. Yeah, I, I think that is still a bit of a problem. Um, and it does take some changes in thinking. Uh, and it perhaps takes some control away from the, you know, we need to think about taking some control away from the separate operating units. And I think it's, uh, and I haven't researched this, I think it's most co it's true that most commentary on an energy usage, and I include in that most discussions from the operators themselves, tend to treat mobile energy usage in isolation. Now, you know, the, the reality is that there are, there are in fact very few standalone mobile or fixed operators left. So that seems... A little myopic um, and the report that my colleague Caroline Gabriel and I have just written really wanted to take a you know purview of the whole network estate that operators have the typical operators have and how the fixed mobile you know the CPE issues and and the core networks actually interact with one another uh, and, and I think you know that's that that's very important for operators going forward to to think in those ways rather than just to think about mobile in isolation. Right, right. So we just do have a, a more complicated situation and maybe a more business impacting situation with the you know, pressure on ESG and rising energy costs. So, so maybe some new approaches are needed here. You know, one thing, if we turn our attention back to 5G for a moment, uh, I think an important thing that for many operators and, and certainly talked about in the industry is the opportunity to use 5G to deploy uh, fixed broadband services, fixed wireless. So what, what effect does that have in this discussion? Well, standing back from just fixed wireless just for a second, you know, look, mobile networks are, are much less energy efficient intrinsically than fiber. No, you can quibble about how best to measure like for like, but but there's always one or two orders of magnitude difference between the two in terms of the kilowatt hours per gigabyte measure at least. So allowing traffic to shift from fixed to mobile is, you know, which is what FWA does in the end, is long term a bad move from a sustainability perspective and energy consumption perspective. In, in fact, there are actually, uh, you know, there are two ways in which you could re reverse this um, uh, this trend, in other words, to encourage mobile to fix substitution if you want, because a, a large chunk of mobile data traffic is in principle or in practice substitutable. The first, of the, I mean, the, the first of these is, as we've just said, is to rely less on fixed wireless access. You know, fixed wireless access can have a colossal impact on mobile network usage, and that will tend to drive the kinds of energy intensive upgrades I was just mentioning earlier on, you know, massive MIMO, cell densification and so forth. And that, you know, pushes energy usage up quite significantly. But, you know, operators could go further than that. So there's a second way in which you could do this. And it's possible to use something, not necessarily this, but something like ATSSS, a sort of rules engine for mobile traffic in the access network to actively steer traffic to the more energy efficient wi-fi where that is available you know a, a vast amount of current mobile traffic on mobile networks is in principle substitutable and uh you know if you can actually actively do that with perhaps the the aim of um being more energy efficient that 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 is one way where you could you, you, you could you could affect those changes so, uh, 
earlier we alluded to some policy issues, but what do you, what do you think regulators can do to help in this situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, regulators may not actually have the power to to do very much at the moment, but policymakers sort of in you know stepping back a little bit from from you know the the, the remit that regulators currently have, I think policymakers you know could could do certain things. I think you know look. Uh, my own feeling is that there is an issue here about energy efficiency and operators can talk up the way in which they're energy efficient and they could talk up about how more energy efficient individual bits of their network are and they can even talk about enablement and all these the, these things that put them on the side of the angels but um that that they can do they could do more actually to make their own operations more efficient uh, by thinking holistically, and I, but I think there really aren't at the moment very strong commercial incentives for anybody to do this. So for operators, for for vend equipment vendors and governments alike, even in the long term, there isn't really a strong incentive to shift a higher share of mobile traffic off less energy efficient networks, that is mobile networks, and 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 reduce the cadence of uh, 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 of upgrades on the mobile networks. So it, it it's good news um, uh, to to reduce to 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 shift onto uh, Wi-Fi and, and and fixed networks from a sustainability energy perspective, but it's bad news from a commercial one. So, you know, from a from a mobile operator point of view, selling ever larger mobile data bundles that, that's their cash cow. Um, you know, whereas incremental usage on fixed Wi-Fi has no value at all. Uh, for for vendors, a slower rate of RAN upgrades would stymie, you know, what's, you know, for many of them a vital stream of revenue. And, and for governments, the sale of mobile spectrum licenses, the cost of which has to be paid back through this massive investment in and use of energy-hungry networks... You know that's an important contribution to overall tax revenue. If if demand were lower, public services would lose out. So I th- I think all I'd say at this stage is that policymakers ought to consider first whether the current cycles of spectrum assignment and investment are really aligned with sustainability goals, and second whether mobile consumers would actually be better served by a more efficient balance of traffic and actually a slower cadence of mobile network upgrades. Yeah, so you know, we're we it's really good issues there, and I think that that you know the 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 need to focus particularly on sustainability for specific ESG goals uh, to you know to to take this on as a as a, as a direct issue is a, is a relatively recent thing, and I think that so I think people are needing to understand this better. I think the research you've done is a is a great way to help people understand this better, but certainly. Um, there's there's a lot of, of difficult trade-offs uh, for for operators even even for governments involved in this. So anyway, so so let's we can, we can talk about this for a long time, but but I think it's time. Why don't you summarize for us uh, what you think network operators really should be doing? Yeah, I mean that you know they have to balance you know this immediate problem of energy price rises against uh, you know some of the long-term issues around ESG that um, you know obviously aren't going to go away um but you know first of all they need, immediately needs to find find ways to hedge against price volatility i mean and most of them of course are doing that uh the second is they should selectively use those solutions i talked about to mitigate the impact of 5g on energy usage um and, and that's important to do um more longer term they need to or or be allowed to uh decommission 2g 3g psdn copper broadband 
copper itself, exchange facilities, all of these things more quickly. Uh, uh, and they need, uh, in the longest term, as it were, they need to think about how to balance traffic loads in the future and what, what that means for their cadence of upgrades. All right. Thanks very much for this, Rupert. I, I think you've done a really great job here of summarizing what some of the key issues are. And I know that's based on some really extensive research you've done, you made reference to, and that's been uh, published and made available to our customers. And you summarize the, uh, the, the gist of this in an article that's available. The link to that is in the show notes for the podcast. So thanks everybody for joining us on the podcast. I hope you uh, all found it uh, useful. And again, uh, encourage you to subscribe to the Analysis Nation podcast.